Hey everybody, I'm so happy to be introducing a show to tell reading uh, in podcast form for the first time since March 2020. We had an awesome day on Governor's Island for the New York City Poetry Festival. Uh, our event took place on Sunday, the second day of the festival, and I want to thank uh, the organizers uh, once again for uh, booking us for the event. Um, look forward in the coming months uh, to doing more with Show to Tell uh, in the realms of interviews uh, and art criticism um, in podcast form and in written form. And uh, I invite you uh, to check out my new website. That's mattwaters28.wixsite.com backslash show do tell. Enjoy the reading, everybody. Very good to be in front of the microphone again. It's been a long time. Uh, we haven't come back yet. It's been the first one a couple years, or feels like a couple years, 16 months or whatever. Uh, we got three great poets here today. Basically, we got a reading and a brief interview session and uh, try to kind of get a dual insight into the artist. Uh, so our first reader today is uh, Brandon Lorber. He's a poet. Yes, Brandon. Great, great writer. Poet, prose writer, and editor who lives in a little castle on the highest geographic point in Brooklyn, across from the Greenwood Cemetery. Over two decades in the making, and his first full-length book just came out. It's called If This Is Paradise, Why Are We Still Driving? And it's published by the Sub Press Collective. He's also written several chapbooks, most recently Unfixed Elegy and Other Poems. He's appeared in the American Poetry Review, Fence, McSweeney's, Brooklyn Rail, and elsewhere. Uh, thanks for being here, Brendan. August threesomes or 
any braille in comparison to the punchline of our own cellular riddle until the jacked up lockdown won't accept a joke for the secret that was here before we were. Nobody's gonna roll up in their car or their sleeve and trick me with this go to the light nonsense when the light could change before I reach the other side, but here we are, aren't we? Reaching for the curve that exists only because we reach for it, like my father's sculpture on a high shelf since he died, but which just now fell on the machine I'm using to write this poem. It was probably my upstairs neighbor shaking the ceiling with online aerobics, though not long ago her grandmother's crystal picture did the same to her, as if to say, you might not know the secret, but the secret knows you. We might hate every minute of it, yet we want our magical nights to sachet unstoppable through ever-changing light.
love and Mother Nature join in. Firstborns have a knack for stirring idolatry. Likewise, 
energized how some innocent mornings. The sun perfumed our fresh skin before self-awareness replaced laughter and possession replaced play. At dusk, seduction set in. Bruises faded and mosquitoes fled. Lightning bugs appeared as so dads, routine neighbors in the backyard at swimming pools. Boys into the playhouse shed before ennui replaced embracing fear of the unknown. Hey, that was great. Thank you. I really enjoyed just listening to your poetry. And uh, something that occurred to me is the impact of memory in your poetry, we get a really genuine sense that you're letting us into your memory. Um, and could you describe the role memory plays in your writing process and how you make the images in your memory so visceral, real, and sensuous for the reader? I don't know. I think it's just, I, I think it's just life. Like, there's certain things that stick with me. And, um, I do go back to my hometown often because my late mother left me her apartment and uh, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm feeling this. So I just feel that certain images and places have stuck with me and um, they're like family. You know, it's kind of like I, I have a new family and uh, it, it's memory in place and it does show up in my writing a lot. I feel that, you know, you know, a lot of people have the same experiences, but that's really what it is when it comes to memory. Um, there are just certain things etched in my mind, and maybe I was a poet of five, and I didn't even know it. Thanks, Matt. Thank you all. Again, for being here, everybody. It's been a great time. Uh, to wrap up, Aaron Yee earned a PhD in classics from the University of Minnesota and MFA in poetry from Columbia University. His first book of poetry, The Cosmic Curve, published by Able Muse Press, uh, was published in 2012. And his second book, Manhattanite, which won the Able Muse Poetry Prize, came out in 2017. His third book, American Divine, won the Richard Wilbur Award and will come out in 2020. It was released in 2020. His thriller in verse, Mr. Either Slash Or, was released by Distribution Press in the fall of 2017. His work has appeared in such publications as Best American Poetry, The Parish Review, and Poetry. Thank you, Aaron for being here. Thank you very much, Matt, and thank you all for coming out to Governor's Island today. This is actually my first time here, and it's mind-expanding. I love it. I want to live here. Maybe I'll camp out tonight. Um, I'm just going to read three poems, um, but one of them is a little longer. I know that's the worst thing you can say, but... Um, the first poem I'm going to read is called Reunion Show, and it's about a band that breaks up and then 20 years later gets back together for a reunion show. Remember rage, the way we used to love it, and what mad masks we used to wear. Think of the shrieking eagle on our van, the decal with its wings of 
groupies got between us, the label dropped us, and the fad wound down. Boys, since this bar is in a nowhere town, let's pound out with our amps cranked up to ten, sincerer tribute to the angry art than we could handle at our start. The blasphemy we hurled against the world back then was out of season. Now we have damn good reason to smash things up like ruined men. And all my lyrics will be from the heart. The next poem I'm going to read is out of the Bible. Um, you may have heard that King Herod of Judea had a stepdaughter named Solomon. And in return for her dance of the seven veils, he gave her and her, his wife, her mother, John the Baptist's head on a platter. Um, this is called Happy Birthday, Herod. It was a birthday dance for Herod, and today, in fact, is my birthday. <laughs> like always, Herod's birthday is today. And I can hear the tambourine brioso. I can hear the oboe skirl. Like always, Salome is getting down to business, veil by veil. Her eyes are green, all other eyes obscene. Ravishers of a writhing girl are piercing what is see-through anyway. Like always, without fail, something repulsive has been done. Under the Dead Sea sun, another sort of flesh, that corpse, I mean, the headless one, is summoning the blowflies. Fresh gratification for a mother's grudge. Like always, who am I to judge? Indifferent to whatever moral thing a servant might be carrying around the party on a tray, I stand with stiff voyeurs, devouring those curves of hers, worshipping the elastic, the orgastic Salome. Forgive me, Herod's birthday is today. Osiris, and um, a dear friend of mine who lives in Mexico translated it recently into Spanish, and to get revenge on me for using the word American to revert to the United States, she translated it as Osiris Gringo. Um, I'll read the English version. Um, I, I should explain, this was inspired by my watching my nieces. They were playing a game called Dead Man. Do you know it? It's haunted. It's like tag, but with zombies. Dead man, dead man, come alive on the count of number five. And the person who gets up then is it and has to tag the other people. And then the other people become the dead man. And I was fascinated with yeah, and I um, American Osiris. Dead God, dead God, come alive on the count of number five. One, two, three, four. 
I sense dejection in the vegetation. I get how red a sun is going down. And there they go, the dogs all over town, howling like widows. Ambush, mutilation, dump sites across the state lines. The deed is done. Streetlights will keep on burning all night long in memory of you, the youth, the strong seed giver, the delight, the vital one. It's useless, but I want to spew funeral flowers, the orchid, the iris, traffic on the avenue is sighing for the loss of you, American Osiris. I smell the crime. In Jersey, there's a scow tugging like rubbish, your indignant liver up the Passaic, post-industrial river, and all the sap in you has turned now and seeps from ruptured pipes into the prairie. Your sex is wild boars goring Arkansas. Who asked you, handsome? Who has dumped you raw on this democracy, this cemetery? Sorrow has spread from coast to coast like a saccharine song or a seasonal virus. You are what weighs on us the most. Darling and carcass, god and ghost, American Osiris. Dead god, dead god, come alive on the count of number five. One, two, three, four. Thank you. Is that all? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Wonderful sense of theatricality in your delivery uh, of your reading. I was curious uh, what that looks like when you're writing. Do you, do you have a sense of theatricality when you're writing? Is, does your process feel loud, intense, or, or is, or is it psychotic uh, with how you do your reading? It depends on the poem. When I'm reading in public, I go for the drama queen poems, um, I confess. Um, they go over better. Um, but for me, when I'm writing, what really matters is the music of it. I start not with images, as many poets do, but with musical phrases. Um, motives and refrains, and then I build up a kind of song um, that will be incantatory. Um. Thank you, Aaron. Beautiful answer. Uh, thanks, everybody, again, for being here, for checking out the Show Do Tell reading. Um, I want to wish the best of luck to everybody else reading and organizing events today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Happy birthday! I feel like we should sing happy birthday. <laughs>